Hey everybody, this is Dan from Second Nature, and you're listening to Sales and Enablement, the podcast. The show that brings sales and enablement together in one room with my co-host, Crystal Nicosi, to talk about the totally functional and normal working relationship between sales and enablement in today's SaaS world. Grab some popcorn, head a pop, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is Dan Reynolds, co-host of the Sales and Enablement Podcast. I'm the selling side of things. Crystal, what side are you on? (laughs) And I'm the enabler side of things, Dan. Uh, My name is Crystal Nicosi, your favorite enabler. Um, We have an amazing guest today, um, and I couldn't believe he even agreed to be on our our show, Dan. It's Um, not often that you get a best-selling author coming on (laughs) the Sales and Enablement Podcast. Exactly. So I, I, he's, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go ahead, Roderick. First of all, I'm the one that's honored to be on with you guys. I've been checking this out and Crystal knows I've been excited to come on today (laughs) and get a chance to share with both of you and and kind of kick things around and share it with your audience. So I'm Roderick Jefferson. I'm the VP of Field Enablement at Netscope. Um, I'm also, as you said, the best-selling author of the book Sales Enablement 3.0, The Blueprint to Sales Enablement Excellence. I think I sit between you two. I am um, an old seller and also an old enabler. My career, I started out as a BDR and did well, went into AE, went to President's Club and did all that fun stuff. And what happens? Like always, got promoted to sales leader, turned it down and actually talked myself into my first uh, training opportunity way back years ago at sales enablement, excuse me, at AT&T. I've run enablement at Siebel Systems, NetApp, eBay, HP, Oracle, Salesforce, Marketo, and now here. So it's been a decent run. And I think one of those companies may actually take off one day and the stock may do something. Um, (laughs) I also want to drop this piece. And here's a what has become now with the book out there far more well-known. I'm actually the person that coined the phrase sales enablement. It started right here. So um, (laughs) I I think I may know a little bit about the subject. Yeah, I, I think so, Roderick. I, uh, I mean, the, the feedback on your book and just the reviews have been, oh God, outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And it's, you know, like you, I was also, um, you know, uh, an AE before I moved into enablement, um, you know, with, um, the, the largest company that I did enablement for was Cisco systems. Um, and I've been, I've been pretty much been with the, you know, the, the startups, the early stage, um, startups, uh, specifically, um, I just, that's just more my personality. I'm a builder. Um, you know, it, I mean, we could call you the godfather of sales enablement, to be honest. That's like, so, you know, tell, I mean, at its, at its simplest, um, you know, form, Roderick, what's the, you know, the definition of enablement? Um, and I think, you know, not only the definition, but I, something that really, you know, does frustrate me as an enabler is that people always want to push it to training. They always want to say, uh. oh, oh, okay, you're a trainer, right? So you know, what's the definition of enablement? And then if you could just help maybe our audience understand the difference between enablement and training. First of all, two fantastic questions. If you've seen anything on social media, you both know that my hashtag is hashtag train animals, enable people. So I think that there's certainly a differentiation between the two. And then there's a place where they they overlap. Look, prior to um, COVID, I used to explain enablement 
this way. I would say that it's about breaking the complexity of sales into practical ideas through kind of scalable, repeatable practices that ultimately lead to accelerated speed to revenue, increased seller productivity, and then customers for life that drive revenue. Okay, the world shook itself on its axis and it changed. And it's precisely why I wrote the book, Sales Enablement 3.0, which is about the future of enablement and where are we going? I think now when someone says, what's enablement? I don't even, I don't even say the words. I say, okay, think about an orchestra, right? You've got brass, woodwinds, strings, percussion, all trying to play the same song. But the problem is sometimes they're out of sync, they're out of tune, they're playing on top of each other. Well, the same thing happens inside of a company right? You've got marketing, product marketing, HR, engineering, sales, HR, et cetera, all trying to do the right thing for the prospect and the customer. The problem is there's no communication. There's no collaboration. There's no orchestration going on until one person or or organization, which I believe is enablement, steps up, taps the stand, and all of that noise and chaos becomes a beautiful sheet of music. (laughs) I love it. We, we, Crystal, we, we, I think when we started the podcast, the first episodes were just Crystal and myself, just, you know, with a little bit of back and forth. But I think one of the topics we spoke about was an alignment between sales, marketing, and enablement. And at the end of the episode, I was like, whoa, Crystal, you've blown my mind here because what you're telling me is the complete dysfunctional system that that I've come from and experienced for the last few years working in startups, like, and a, you, you, you guys are the, that's what enablement is? Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, we're the hub that spokes out to every part of the organization. And we're also what I call the translators of dialects and languages. We've got to be able to speak marketing, product marketing. Let's just call it French, Spanish, German, Russian, et cetera. And then go out and meet with the customer, come back and retranslate that back into their words and their language, not trying to teach them legal, excuse me, not legalese, but um, enablement ease. Now, to your second question, Crystal, the difference between training and enablement. Here's where we get into the meat of things. To me, in in my experience, training is a sprint. It's a one-time spot kind of fixed thing, right? Enablement is, and I'm focused on making sure we're no longer seen as the broken, um, the fixers of broken things and broken people. I think IT's got that worked out. For us, it's more about how do we make sure that this is woven into the fabric of the company? We have an opportunity to really shift the paradigm of the way enablement is looked at. And here's some steps that I, I think fit in here. First of all, we should be a part of the talent acquisition and assessment process. If you're enablement and you're not part of that interview process for your go-to-market sellers, you're missing out because you have an opportunity to say, hey, not only can they hit the quota of these potential employees, but at the same time, do they have the propensity to go through the programs we have in place? And also, let's be honest, we deal with sales leaders all day. Our BS filter is way higher than even theirs. The second piece is about onboarding. How do we make sure, especially in this um, virtual world, that it is role specific? What's too deep for one is not technical enough for another. You got to go an inch deep with BDRs, SDRs, probably a foot deeper with AEs, a mile deeper with SCs, and then a mile deep and wide for CSMs and for CX. The next is about the ongoing and continuing egg. And I just will chalk it up as business acumen, right? We always talk about the newbies, but what about the legacy sellers? For us, enablement, one of the things that I see happen the least is people move in and out in sales positions, right? Our job is to make sure that we call all of that tribal knowledge and make sure that it stays in house 
in a, multiple, a multiplicity of formats, whether it be white papers, decks, docs, papers, uh, podcasts, etc. The next piece is that first and second line manager. It's about coaching and reinforcement. We can give them the best thing on the planet, but if they don't own the adoption, the execution, and the positive modeling of it, dies on the vine. The next piece is about measurement. And I'm not talking about smiley sheets and butts and seats. Oh, we trained 5,000 people and we got 4.8. So what? That and seven butts will get you a latte. Let's talk about true um, revenue impacting and influencing metrics. And to my enablement folks, please stop saying that you drive revenue. You don't. We don't. Unless you carry a bag, you impact and you influence it. And the final piece is, and the piece again that gets left out is succession planning. How are we making sure that we create more leaders and, and not more managers? Too many times I've seen a rock star go-to-market person, BDR, SDR, SE, et cetera. What do we do? We promote them to manager, but we never teach them how to be a leader. And so now you've created two problems. One, I've taken a rock star out of a patch. Now it's vulnerable to my competitor. And secondly, I've got a person that's never even held a team meeting, had difficult conversations, hired, fired, et cetera. And I'm going to put them in a, in a leadership position? No, they become micromanagers because they start trying to manage their team the same way that they manage their patch. Mm. That's all I got for you. No. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh. and that, I mean, you said so many amazing things to my enabler ears. Um, I'm curious, Dan, like from an AE perspective, like when you hear everything that Roderick said, like where was your brain going? Where was your mind going? Well, you know, one of the things that we face here at Second Nature, you know, selling an enablement tool is that the the biggest part that we speak about with our prospects and one of the biggest challenges is to get that buy-in from sales, right? Because I think, as you said, enablement doesn't exist on an island. Without sales, you know, fully in step and behind the program, there is no program. So my question to you is, you know, how, how, what is that, what is the best way to approach that, you know, from an enablement perspective when you're speaking to sales leadership about introducing something new? How do you approach that? I, I think it's about legacy. It's about uh, credibility. And it's also about speaking their language. Again, don't come to sales leaders with enable and ease and go, well, we'd like to perform our, no, no. Find out, first of all, what are their top three to five objectives, right? And make sure that you get this in writing and solidify it. And and here's why. And I'll give a a quick football analogy. You think that you are in the red zone about to score. And how many times have you seen the goalposts get moved and suddenly you realize you're at midfield? That only happens because, one, you're not clear and you're not in agreement on what the objectives are. Never take more than five because anything above five, you're setting you and your team up for failure. And how do you stop the goalposts from moving? It's simple. Stay on top of those those three to five. Make sure you're meeting on a weekly, biweekly basis with the sales leader. Make sure that those are being reiterated, given updated where you are. And when they try and pull two more on, great, I'll take two. What two are we going to take off? And that's the point that really rarely happens. And the last piece is, and for me personally, I never hire anyone on my team that has not carried a bag in some sort. I don't care if you're a BDR, SE, CSM, but what it says is I've walked in those shoes. And so I can tell the stories. Look, we, we, for sales folks and Dan directly to you, 
We've all had those moments where we've been waiting for the DocuSign at the 13th hour. We've lost those deals or won them because we couldn't get the signature or things changed or some things happened at the end. We've all had bluebirds land for us and surprise us. We've all taken down big whales, right? If you can't speak that language to sales leaders and to sales folks, you don't know the, the sales handshake, which means you're not one of us. You're probably on the other side of the fence. And dare I say that, that group that starts with a big M. <laughs> I think we know who you're talking about. That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Because I think what you just said is you need to practice, you know, what you preach, buy your acumen, know who it is that just know your audience, you know, understand and, and, and be able to, to, to communicate with them properly, clearly. And by the way, we love football analogies here because <laughs> Crystal's, Crystal's team hasn't won a playoff game in three years. <laughs> the Patriots and my team, the Buffalo Bills are on the uptick. So yeah, football analogies are welcome uh, uh, in, in, this, in this era. Fan, so I'm just going to leave it at that. What, what fan so are you, Roger? Said I'm from, from Dallas. You figure out who my team is. Oh, it's, my it's dad been is kind Dallas of a bumpy, It's been a kind of a bumpy road for a while here. But oh. I always say this. So the people go, oh, the Cowboys haven't won it forever. I go, yeah. But you know what? Um, only one team, Pittsburgh, ha- and, and, and the Patriots have more Super Bowls than us. Why is it taking everybody so long to catch up with us? Good That's point. That's all I'm saying. Good point. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you spoke about, you know, I'm glad you took that approach as the other approach saying, well, there are teams that have never won it. Like, hey, <laughs> I was say, oh, I don't you know. know like that. <laughs> there's only one trophy. That's all I can say. Everybody can't win one. And, and there's no participation ribbons in football. <laughs> that's for sure um you know i i think um you know roderick i i love the football analogies i i i you know all i i was an athlete also um you know in my sort of younger days and i always use them um they're so incredibly powerful and i know some people don't appreciate it i saw a post the other day actually on linkedin about it that was like please stop making sports analogies to sales and you know but anyway I only um, do it in America. When I'm outside, I'm talking football w- with soccer or I'm talking cricket or I'm talking, <laughs> you know, a- another sport. So you've got to right. have something for each one of the regions of the world. <laughs> you do. Right. Exactly. I need to get more. I need to get better. You got to get some rugby. You got to get some cricket. You got to get some football in there. Yeah. And football with, with, with a F-U-T, B-O-L. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no yes. <laughs> football. There it is. Uh, if anybody's yeah. if anybody's speaking to any Canadians, which bucket I also got have some hockey. Yeah, well, but we've also just qualified for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar for the first time since 1986. So I saw that. Canadians out there. <laughs> I love it. Foot, love football. it. Congrats. Thank you. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be hot. Our, our normal northern neighbor. Um, You know, Roderick, you said something really interesting, and I know that I've heard you say this before, just in, you know, your other posts, and I learned it, um, honestly, like, you know, um, when I first saw it, which was like maybe a year and a half ago, I'm sure you've been saying it a lot longer, Um, but it really resonated with me because I think, you know, as enablement started to, to really come, come out, you know, much stronger organizations were starting to see the value. They were really investing time and trying to figure out just what is this sales enablement? Um, you talked about being the fixer of broken things. So it, it, and I get what, you know, what, 
that means. Um, but you know, how, how can an enabler move beyond that? Right. I mean, you're, you know, you've got the, the sales leader, the sales leaders, but then you've also got other departments like, Hey, you know, go, go fix this process or go fix this, you know, whatever it is. And, and how do you move beyond that as an enabler? How do you move beyond that? Another great question. And for me, it's always move the conversation to metrics and away from just numbers. But like I said earlier, the smiley sheets and butts and seats are just numbers. If, if you can't talk about true metrics, then you're really serving no value. If you can't talk about how, what's time to first close, you know, what's the average deal size? What's the deal velocity? What's the pipeline creation? What's the number of closed deals, product mix, um, quota attainment, time to revenue, win rates, loss rates. Now you're talking about something of high value. And I'll give an example. When I was at Marketo, when I walked in, time to first close was 88 days for mid, in the mid-market. Two and a half years later, when I walked out, it was 54 days. Nice. And I was able to actually go and talk to the board about this because what I shared was we've trimmed time to first close by 39%. But what it equates to is the fact that we have X number of heads, quota is X amount, times those. Now you look at how much we've done in that additional 30 plus days that we now have sell sellers that are actually moving and creating revenue. Here are the numbers that we have influenced and impacted by enablement. I didn't go and say, you know what? We did 12 accreditations and they were all a 4.7. That means nothing. Right. You've got to be able to talk and you've got to be able to talk at different levels, right? And that's just for sales. What about if I'm talking to an SC manager? Now, what do they want to talk about? They want to talk about um, number of POCs, number of hours spent, win, loss, demos per deal, um, percentage of time spent on activities. But then what if I'm talking to this, the post sales or CSM folks? Now, I want to talk about adoption rates, um, ARR, uh, account, annual account, excuse me, account, annual recurring revenue. I hate when people throw out rec acronyms, so I won't do it. Customer churn. Um, CUSAT, daily usage, engagement rates, uh, NAT promoter scores, red account reduction, those kind of things. And it comes down to this, know your audience and speak their language. That's, that's really it, isn't it? It's, it's, it really you've got to sit, you've got to talk about what matters to them. Otherwise it's just yeah. noise. And, and um, here's why, here's why, Crystal, because we call them stakeholders. I hate that statement, by the way, I call them internal customers. Because I treat them the same way that I want our sellers, and I want to model that to them the same way that they do with our prospects and customers. Uh, the first thing I say is stop giving presentations and start having conversations. Yeah. Nobody wants you to come out and then throw up a PowerPoint. Nobody wants to be pitch slapped, right? So why would I do that to them? So with the sellers, let's sit down and have a conversation. I'm not trying to present anything to you, and I don't sell, and I don't want our sellers, quote unquote, selling. If you're going to sell, the only thing you should be selling is really the experience that you get with a customer that they can only get with your company. Don't talk about your prospects. Don't, excuse me, your, your products, your solutions, your platforms. They don't care. Two things, either help them increase productivity and efficiency slash mitigated risk or B, decrease pain. Other than that, is there any reason that anybody on the planet buys? If so, please tell me, because in 25 years, <laughs> I haven't figured out something else. That is another book. If we could figure that right. out, I'll, I'll there tell it you is. that. <laughs> there it is. I don't care right. if umbrella, umbrellas and flip-flops. Yep. If I'm selling umbrellas, what happens? It's raining. I can be more productive if I'm under it. 
If I'm selling flip-flops, you're from Arizona, you know, the ground's hot. If I got flip-flops, I can still walk out, decreasing pain. Yeah. It all fits. Right. That's awesome. That's If I'm wrong, please tell me, because I don't think that I'm the smartest person in any room. Believe me. Is he wrong, Dan? Is he wrong? No, he's not wrong. Of course he's not wrong. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, like, but I think it's just, it's really amazing, you know, like the challenge with all of this is, 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 you know, understanding the role, you know, within the org, understanding how to scale it. And, and, you know, as Roderick said, being able to show the value and speak the, you know, speak the language that the people you're speaking to, it's sales. You've convinced me it's sales. Talk, talk to me about your, you're great with your hashtags on, uh, on LinkedIn <laughs> Roderick. So I'm just going to throw out a hashtag and you tell me, you know, a little bit about it. Like first thing that comes to your, to mind. So hope is, Hope is not a strategy. Oh, I had a feeling we were going that direction. Hashtag <laughs> hope is not a strategy. You know, it comes from a, a couple of different angles. It really started when I was talking to um, a BDR manager. And, and, and I was talking to every organization I'm in. What I do when I come aboard is I go sit down with the BDRs. And I talk to them about um, their career progression, succession planning, right? And I always say, you know, you got here because you had a plan. It didn't just happen. You, y'all, let's go back way back. You know, too many people, and, and I, I have kids now that uh, are going from high school, not my kids, but friends of friends, kids of friends, if I can say that fast three times, that are in high school. Look, you can't hope you get in the right school. You can't hope you, you get the right major. You can't hope that you get into the right company. You can't hope that you get the right um, boss. You can't hope that the company is successful. At some point, You've got to have a strategy and you've got to work behind the, the, the curtain to make sure this happens. It's hard work. It's not because I said, I hope that I'm going to be a rock star and I'm going to President's Club this year. No, I'm going to President's Club. And in order to get this, this is what I have to be percentage of quota. This is how many deals I have to close. This is how many call calls I have to make. There has to be a strategy behind this. Otherwise, you're just hoping things are going to go. And no one has the vested interest in you or your career or your success that you do more than you do. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I think, you know, just, uh, you know, as a mom myself, Roderick, and, um, you know, I think that's one thing that, um, you know, even at its, at its sort of basic, at its most basic level, right? Like, don't just throw something up in the air. It, you know, if you commit to something, if you, are trying to achieve something, you know, and I, I'm constantly on this for my 21 year old um, is, you know, I'm telling him like, what, you know, what's the plan? He's like, what do you mean? What's the plan? I'm going to go here or I'm going to do this. And I'm like, okay, but what's the plan, man? Like, you can't just like throw it up there and expect like, you know, to, for it just to happen, you've got to know every single step. And so it's really interesting. I've been sitting down with my, my oldest and I've been helping him with, you know, let's do this outcome-based approach that I know of. And so I, you know, and then I help him to kind of set, you know, many sort of milestones, just depending on, you know, how big this, this thing is that he wants to go for. Um, and he's really starting to get it right. So, um, it's, isn't it fun to see when the light bulb goes on for them? Yeah. I've got a 24 and a 33 year old. So first of all, I'll say that gap between 21 and 24 is a huge amount of maturation, especially as a boy, right? My daughter is 33. She's at a whole different level now, but to watch them go. And and I've been saying hope's not a strategy for them for a while. And they finally get it now. They're like, you know what? You're right, dad. There has to be a plan. I need to figure out where I want to go, what I want to do. And 
what I want to be. And, and I say the same to the net, thing to them that I say to all of my mentees and all the BDRs, SDRs, and AE folks I talk to. You will find eight to 10 jobs in your life. Your career will find you. And it may not look anything like what you think. I was a radio and television broadcast major. I thought I was going to ESPN. Eh, not so much. But the transverse of that is just because it isn't what you thought that it was planned out meticulously for the next, you know, your 30-year plan that you had in place doesn't mean that you weren't successful, right? To me, success is about finding a job that I call my, my candy bar job, that you would only get paid in candy bars. My favorite is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. But then finding a company stupid enough to pay you well to do it. <laughs> that is success. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome, Roderick. Uh, well, you know, uh, Roderick, this has been absolutely amazing, and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, and I could honestly go all day. Uh, Dan, did you have anything else for Roderick before we let him go back off into the wild, and we have missed a, a legend on our on our show? Oh, yeah, no, that was amazing. That was, it was, it was like a, amazing time for me, you know, just to, just to be a part of this conversation. It, it was really great. And I think just to wrap it up, I'd rather t- tell everybody where they can find your book and anything else that you would like, you know, them to hear about you. I always say, if you can't find me on social media, you're not really trying. So let's start there. Um, With the book, you can find it at at Amazon, um, at Kindle, Google Play. They're all over. I've got it in soft copy, ebook, audiobook. It's out there. Sales Enablement 3.0, the blueprint to sales enablement enablement excellence. On social media, let's see. Um, On Twitter, at The Voice of Rod. On, um, On Insta, you can find me at Roderick underscore J underscore associate. You can find me on LinkedIn at RoderickJefferson.com. Keeps it real. Awesome. Great. Wow. Well, thank you so much again for your time. That was, that was a, that was a great, uh, a great conversation. I'm so glad we had a chance to, to have you on the show. Likewise. Thank you again. I'm absolutely honored to be here. Thanks to both of you and best of success with the uh, show. Thanks. Okay, thanks every thanks for listening everybody and, and we'll see you guys next week. You've reached the end of another episode of Sales and Enablement, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn at Dan Reynolds and Crystal Nicosi.